You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. The bottom of the hour. I'm ducking already. <laughs> we got I, one. Matt Devlin, Toronto Raptors play-by-play voice for Sportsnet, is going to join us. Matty D's great. Does Blue Jay stuff too? Devlin. You can ask him about Shoei Otani. He's an enigma. Every time he's on the TV, I just I love his voice. Yeah, he's great. Just everything about him. He commands that broadcast. Matty D's great. We'll talk to him at 830. Who else is great right now? Our NHL insider for Daily Faceoff, Frank Sarvali. And our Sports at 960 NHL insider is brought to you by South Trail Chrysler. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailChrysler.com. Frank, good morning. How are you? I am pretty good, guys. How are you? We're great. Thanks for jumping on. Um, Frank, what's impressed you so far through Calgary's 5-1 and one start? Oh, geez. Um, man, I think what's probably most impressive about the start is that it feels like it could it's been a complete team effort on, on one hand, like you've gotten contributions from a lot of different areas of your group. And I think what's most impressive is that there's still another level that this team can get to. Like they've been good and the the record indicates that, but I still think that there's another level, which is, is really impressive in the sense that if that's what you're continuing to strive for, to get to that greatness, um, that could really send that team on a run. An eight-game homestand, I know nine of their first ten games at home, um, this is a situation where I, I feel like if it had gone the other way, it would have been mass panic. But to start this season at home and to have these results, that's got to bode well for all of these new guys who are getting acclimated, uh, acclimatized to a new situation here in Calgary. Yeah, and in some ways with so many new guys, you would think maybe the, they're better off starting on the road. Mm-hmm. to get a chance to really spend some time together, get some team dinners, get some, you know, some fun out there and, and, and really hang out. And not to say that they haven't spent time together, but in that case, it's just different. And, you know, you might think that that would have been the ideal scenario, but when you start with eight at home, you, you got to take care of business before you, you head out on the road. That's a, a tenth of your overall season schedule. Um you know, when you look at it. So they're in a spot where they, you know, they've got to take care of business and they've done that to every extent. I mean, look at the way that they absolutely mauled the Penguins last night in the first period, taking advantage of a team that's playing on back-to-back nights. I know it's only Edmonton and Calgary, pretty close travel-wise, but still, you know, you've got to, you've got to start fast in this league and they did that. I wanted to ask you about Rasmus Anderson, and it's a conversation that George and I were having a little bit earlier. And you look back at the recent Stanley Cup champions, they all have a number one elite defenseman. Kale McCarr in Colorado, Victor Hedman in Tampa, Pietrangelo with the Blues, the list goes on. Is Rasmus Anderson a guy that you could see getting into that upper echelon? I mean, he's been on his way. Um, and a lot of the metrics that you would look at would indicate that he's pretty darn close Um, and especially the point production to start this year the minutes are there he's playing almost 24 minutes a night Um, he's really grown by leaps and bounds and the only 
reason I slightly want to caution that is in that you look at the job that Noah Hannafin does for this team. And, you know, I think when you take a look at, at Hannafin's game, and, and I've really done a deep dive in the last, you know, a couple of weeks here as I've been putting an archetypes project together on daily faceoff, he, he doesn't have the point production this year. And obviously his minutes aren't near where Anderson is. Hannafin did a ton of things for this team last year, and his game might have grown more than anyone else in the entire NHL. When you consider where he was to, to last, the end of last year, it's, I call it the Sutter effect. Like I think he's had an enormous impact on him and his game um, that, you know, Anderson has been fantastic and to get the growth from both of them, um, I think has been really important for this team. Frank, where does Nazem Kadri need to finish in the scoring race to have a legitimate shot at potentially winning the Hart Trophy, which is completely crazy to talk about. But you look at who's had the best season so far in the NHL. Nazem Kadri is right near the top of the list. He's only three points off the league lead in points. And obviously McDavid and guys like Matthews are going to get all their cookies, all their points. But if he, let's even say Kadri finishes between eight and five in the scoring race. Could he have a legitimate case to be in the Hart Trophy conversation? Probably not. I mean, he'd really have to be pretty close to those guys in terms of overall numbers. Um, that's just from a pure historical perspective. That's the way voters look at it. Um, it always has been. I mean, even look at the season that that Johnny Gaudreau had last year. I mean, I hate to go there and bring it up again, but you think about his year and how fantastic that was. He finishes fourth and he had 115 point season and 40 goals. And, you know, Jonathan Huberto, same, I mean, same kind of thing. Like he was, he set a record for most assists ever by a, a left wing in NHL history. And he finishes fifth. So I, I mean, to think about, how magical those seasons were last year. And then Kadri sort of getting to a level last year with 87 points that he had never gotten to before. He'd really have to exceed that in, in such a big way and be in the conversation with those guys to, I think to be uh, points wise to be in that hard trophy consideration. I think a lot of people talk about, you know, the maturity being the growth for Nazem Kadri. Um, but I've been most impressed with the way that he drives this line for the Flames alongside Dylan Dubé and Andrew Mangiapane. Do you think that's something that has kind of grown in his game as the years have gone by? A little. I mean, he's always been a bit of a self-starter. Like, he's always been one of those guys that drags his team into the fight. Uh, he's always had a high motor. Um, and that, I mean, that extends back to his days in Toronto. Like he was always really noticeable. He was never someone that sat back and let the play come to him. Um, you know, I, I think just the intensity, um, has ratcheted up to another level. Um, and I think part of that is confidence too. Like when you're able to, you know, not just hang in the league, you, you break into the league, then hang in the league. It, then it's like, you, you feel, you feel like you can get to that next echelon and the way that he was able to do that in Colorado, playing with, at times, some really talented players, to go to a situation like he's in now, as you mentioned, with, with Dubé and Manjapani. Like, I think Manjapani is honestly one of the most underrated players in the league. He doesn't get talked about nearly enough for how much he produces. That, you know, to be able to drive a line and to be able to hold your own, especially in a new place, I think it says a lot about how much his game has grown overall. But... He's always been sort of a driver. 
um, and catalyst, and now he's just taking it to that next level. The Flames special teams have been really good to start the season. They've got a top 10 PK. They've got a top five power play. And I do wonder about a couple of the assistant coaches on this team, like Ryan Huska and like Kirk Muller, and how much they might, not now, but down the road, be in the conversation to maybe take another step and become a head coach elsewhere. Do you, do you know if, well, we know Kirk Muller was on the radar this offseason a little bit, but any thoughts on either of those guys maybe um, being someone that could be targeted down the road as a head coach? I, I mean, I think that's already started to percolate a bit. Like, go back to last summer and, I believe, and I could be mistaken, but I believe Huska actually had a few different interviews that were sort of very quiet um, in terms of how much they were publicized um, and certainly was on team's radar. Um, And I think the the interesting part about the spot that Kirk Muller is in is I think everyone's sort of looked at him as, well, he's he's just the heir apparent. Like he's there for whenever Daryl Sutter decides that he's had enough. And then Sutter signs this extension and everyone's kind of like, oh, well, hold on a second. Like, does that maybe change the outlook of, of where things stand for Kirk Muller moving forward? He's had an opportunity, obviously, to, to be a head coach in this league. I think he's um, grown a lot since then. And I think when you look at his experience behind the bench, his confidence, and he's just got this demeanor that I think really helps, you know, being a former player, having been in a ton of those shoes and understanding the spots that they're in, I think he's an easy guy to relate to and talk to. And I think that goes a long way in terms of dealing with players to see that, you know, he might get another shot at some point. Frank Cervalli is our Sportsnet 960 NHL insider brought to you by South Trail Chrysler. Joining us here on the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. We had Tim McAuliffe asked him about uh, Barry Trotz's future. Uh, behind the bench. Very interesting how he said, um, Frank, oh, I want to wanna, wanna coach an original six team. Oh, weird uh, that there's an original six team in a very big market that's got off to a slow start and has had some playoff failures lately. No chance he was maybe insinuating that he wanted to be behind the Maple Leafs bench? I don't think so. I don't think that's in Barry Trotz's nature. Like, I don't, I don't think he would even, he would have way too much respect for anyone involved to hint at something like that. And I think having listened to the clip multiple times, in fact, uh, it was played as the intro to my conversation on Fan 590 last evening. That um, I, I don't see the connection. I understand why everyone wants to run with it and draw the line and connect the dot from one to the other. But that's, that's not him. Um, the question originated with, would you like to coach in a Canadian market? And I think everyone was kind of wondering about Vancouver to start. And he took it in a little bit of a different direction, I think, to deflect from the Vancouver part that everyone knew would be like, you know, throwing raw meat to a dog. Um, And in this case, um, you know, who wouldn't want to coach an original six team? Who wouldn't want to coach in Toronto with a collection of talent? Like, Like, I just, I look at Florida and the Panthers and, they have a 122-point season last year. They win the President's Trophy. They've got all these talented players on their roster, checking a lot of the positional boxes. They fire their coach, essentially, and, and not bring Andrew Brunette back on an interim basis as a full-time guy. And it's open, and Paul Maurice sitting on his dock at the lake, like he has no interest really in coaching again at some point needs to be the right scenario and situation. You jump at a talented team, a chance to be a difference maker. 
if you're, you know, someone that's sitting out there that's um, been really close, so you've won a Stanley Cup and you're Barry Trotz and you're sitting there going, hey, maybe I could be the guy to get a team like Toronto over the hump, of course you would want that kind of opportunity uh, to go in there and be the difference maker. But I don't think that, you know, he'd hint at anything like that publicly. That's just not, that's not his style. What do you think is going to be the next shoe to fall with the Vancouver Canucks, Frank? Everyone seems to be really focused on the coaching staff. And of course that's a possibility. I mean, go back to the summer and, and Bruce Boudreaux asking for an extension. And not only that, but the fact that he wasn't the guy that was picked by Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvine because he predated them. Um, for me, I look at it and I say, I feel like in some ways it's, it's more likely to be a trade. And you could flip a coin on this. Like the longer this goes on, something's going to happen. Um, you know, a body is going to be thrown on the tarmac. You know, it's going to be somewhat. Um, for me, the person that really stands out the most on that roster continues to be Bo Horvat. I mean, doesn't have a contract for next season, has significant value around the league. The comments that were made over the weekend about him feeling like he might never have a chance to win there. I just felt like, to me, that was a clear bat signal from Bo Horvat of basically saying in, in as few words as possible and and is not an obvious way as possible, get me out of here. You know, this is this is my chance to sort of say something without saying something, and I don't look like a bad guy, but I've had enough here. I think there's been friction with his his conversation and, and negotiations with the Canucks to this point. In fact, I, I don't even think they've spoken in, a, in quite a while, going back to the summer um, was the last update that I had. And he's an easy guy to sort of grab the attention of everyone around the league and, and certainly in that locker room to make a statement moving forward that there's going to be changes made. Uh, Edmonton Oilers are in St. Louis to face the blues tonight. Um, Connor McDavid went down hard into the post. He was able to come back and finish that game, but did you hear of any concern perhaps for McDavid and, and maybe this ailing him for a little while? I mean, there was definitely concern. I mean, probably not as much in Calgary, uh, I can tell you that. But, I mean, around the league, it was sort of like a gasp. Like, hey, he just went down, and, and it's not often you kind of see him lay there for an extra couple of seconds mm-hmm. before he gets up uh, to then go down the tunnel. And you're like, man, that you know, you think back to the injury that he had in his opening, his rookie season, and you're like, wonder if that was similar in terms of uh, a reaction. And in this case, Pops back on the bench, you know, false alarm, obviously bruised or banged up, whatever it is, but finishes the game. He didn't look quite the same, but was on their charter yesterday uh, to St. Louis and appears to be ready to go for tonight as they have a back-to-back set in St. Louis and Chicago then before returning to Alberta for the BOA on Saturday. Um, Frank, uh, we, we did some uh, really hard, uh, hard-hitting hard uh, analysis news uh, early on in the show. <laughs> Um, when it comes to uh, uh, Tanev chewing gum uh, while playing, uh, we, we we're amazed by it. How many guys do you think chew gum in the league while they play? Because we know Kessel did it, and he's the NHL's Iron Man. Uh, how many guys chew gum because we think it's an incredible athletic feat? Yeah, I, it can't be many. Like <laughs> honestly, I five. If you if you think there's like seven hundred and some NHL players, right? Are there five that chew gum? 
Yeah, like it's... I don't know that it would be advised by a doctor, either, <laughs> uh, given the potential choking issue. Yeah, uh, you, you know, you get a hit. Maybe it's a pseudo mouth guard for these guys. I don't know, a little teeth protector. Um, yeah, I can't imagine the list is long. Honestly, you know what I was going to do in, this week at some point mm. is a an update on the number of guys that don't have visors. It is also mm. a very small list. I think yep. it's under ten, maybe seven. So. Maybe there's even fewer than that that you go. Lucic, yeah. Reeves. Um, it's tough. <laughs> some guys have waffled. Like Wayne Simmons didn't wear one and then was wearing one and I think is back to wearing one. It's like Some guys have been all over the place. Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, yeah. It's a small list. Wow, that's... Jamie Benn used to not have one, I think. Hmm. That's. I think he still doesn't, hmm. but... It's got to get the latest update. See, this is hard-hitting journalism. It is. It is. Gum. Got to really get out. And you know what? I I, I meant to mention, as we've talked about all these changes that have occurred in Calgary, we haven't talked about the Russick bump that, you know, Flames 4-1 star. Like, I mean, it's got to be attributable to something. Let's No, don't. Frank, please don't. Again, (laughs) Frank, facts are facts. Since I moved to Calgary, the team's (sighs) 5-1. I. Yeah. Maybe there is a correlation. Maybe there isn't, but facts are facts. Just yeah, five and uh, five and one. I thought four and one is even better. Yeah, I five mean, and look one. at that. Yep, five and one. Best start in Flames. It's franchise not, history. It's not the addition of Kadri or Huberdeau or percentage in in the league. Yep. I'm, I'm not buying into this. Facts like, are facts. I'm not doing it. A uh, great stuff. Great ending. Uh, Frank Saravalli. <laughs> he, he tried to bring. He tried to bring a little Toronto heat too. Like he still got to shake the old. East Coast media guy thing asking about the Barry Trotz <laughs> podcast stuff. Yeah, Frank, do you know how hard it is? That. You know how hard it is that people in Cal because I'm from Niagara Falls originally, right? Niagara Falls is a good hour and a half drive from Toronto, and people are like, "Ah, oh, you're from Toronto." No, I'm from Niagara Falls. There's a difference. So would that be part of the Buffalo metropolitan area? No, it would. No, it's part of the Niagara region. But it, I'm closer. Oh, I know to, that, but yeah. like, if you were to consider like a demographic area, a, a TV metropolitan area, what what would it be considered? Yeah, it, it, I, I'm closer to Buffalo than Toronto. Yes. Hmm. So you're a Buffalonian. But, no, but if if a if big you actually honk? no, but if you actually there, there's actually if you clo- lake wise, you ever jump through a table, George? No, a flaming table. No, I haven't. Uh, but I have been to a Bills game, and it's a lawless land when you go to a Bills game. <laughs> let me tell you. Uh, Frank, good luck I'm to your Phillies Philly. in the Don't World Series, too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Good luck to your Phillies yeah. in the World Series. Good luck okay? out there. Yeah, thanks. Uh, well, I'm going to bring my garbage can to game one. I'm going to bang it any time. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, thanks for doing this, Frank. There he goes. Uh, Frank Cervalli, always great stuff. Our Sportsnet 960 NHL Insider is brought to you by South Trail Chrysler. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Mm-hmm. Visit SouthTrailChrysler.com. It's. I'm not. No, you. No, of course. Of course, I have nothing to do with the Flames' five and one starts of the season. But since I've been here, five and one. Yeah, that's a great point. Since Nazem Kadri and Jonathan Huberdo and Mackenzie Weger have been here, why five you, and one. Why do you have to hit me with the tsunami of facts Be- when I'm just <laughs> telling you? When I'm just telling you, because that- I I rarely get to actually use facts on the show, George. Okay. So when I have some available, I'm going to use them. Uh, our next guest. Uh, coming up after the break, um, he's the voice of the Toronto Raptors on Sportsnet. Fact. And uh, his son, Luke, 
was a sixth round pick of the Pittsburgh Penguins. I'll have to fact check it, but probably a fact. Yeah, that is a fact. Uh, we're going to talk to Maddie D, Matt Devlin, uh, about the Raptors. We'll also mix in some hockey talk because I'm sure Maddie D never gets a chance to talk about hockey. <laughs> but his son is literally a Pittsburgh Penguins draft pick. Ties. And Connections. Go, sorry, sorry, Maddie D. Flames beat your son's team last night. How does that feel? Yeah. Eat He's that. a prospect that. Eat that, Devlin. He's <laughs> probably yeah. seen Crosby like twice in his life, but. How does that taste, Devlin? Yeah. What about that? Yeah. Uh, we'll talk to Matt Devlin next. Uh, the voice of the Raptors on Sportsnet. Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Sportsnet 960, The Fan, Russick and Rose. We're on location tomorrow. Can't wait. That's See you in Pittsburgh. Fun. It's going to be fun. Doing some home lottery stuff. Tomorrow? Oh, yeah. Selling some tickets, some 50-50. Yep. Get yourself uh, some the prizes. Other, the other radio stations from the cluster here will be there, too. Jack, to 96.9. And um, the other one that keeps changing their name. Star. Kiss, CHFM. Star now? Is yeah, that what we're going Star, with? I Star, uh, I is I can't wait. 660, to, maybe? I'm sure the Jack morning show is really zany, so I can't wait to hear some of that, too. I was there, Georgie. I spent zany. nine months there. there hey, uh, guys. Very zany like that? One of them's zany and one of them's not. Okay. Well, I'll, we'll find Half out tomorrow. Half the show is... Eric Francis used to be on that show with Matt O'Neill. Oh, okay. They were together for a long time. Matt and Eric, they debuted Jack. Matt and Eric, Jack in the mornings. I listened to it all the time wow. when I was a young young lad. And then I got to work with both of them. Pretty cool. Awesome. Full circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's circle full. life. Hakuna Matata or whatever. Yeah, sure. Uh, full circle. Uh, the Toronto Raptors off to an okay start. Uh, to the season. Uh, we're going to talk about the Raptors, but more importantly, some hockey too. Uh, he is the voice of the Toronto Raptors on Sportsnet. We say good morning to Matt Devlin. Matty D, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? We're good. Uh, condolences. Uh, the Flames beat uh, your son's Pittsburgh Penguins uh, last <laughs> night. Four to one. Well, I, I did. Yeah, I mean, you know, here we go. It already starts. Huh? <laughs> <You know? laughs> just I got, got to throw it out. Well, just now, no, but now I now I know why I was invited on the show this morning, because oh. I was thinking to myself as I was watching, flipping back and forth between NBA games and then the Flames and Penguins game, I figured, geez, you know, they're going to have me on in the morning in Calgary to talk hoops. No, it's just because, you know, they figured the Flames, best team in the NHL, just handed it to the Pens, and now they're going to give me the gears. <laughs> <laughs> Again, uh, it just it just worked out perfectly uh, that that you're on. Yeah. Well, just just take us through. Obviously, we're going to talk about the Raptors, and we'll do that. But just take us through um, the the entire process of having your son being drafted to an NHL team, being around professional sports like you are on a daily basis. What did that mean to your family when your son, Luke, got the call that he was being drafted by the Penguins? Well, it was amazing. I mean, a lifelong dream for him, and, and he understands that the work continues. Um, and I think over the last, and this I'd say this for all athletes across all sports here in Canada over the last couple of years, as we know, uh, trying times as you continue to try to pursue your dreams. And uh, he decided he got drafted in the OHL, but he decided to go the NCAA route, uh, was attending St. Andrews College. David Manning there does an amazing job. 
And they had to deal with not playing for a year like so many um, Canadians and then also uh, lockouts here in Ontario. And he, you know, just kept grinding and kept on working. And then uh, fortunate enough that uh, had spoken to enough teams and had a sense and feel that it may happen. And fortunately, you know, was able to, you know, get that call and then, you know, experience development camp and, uh, it was amazing to see for him, and I think, you know, the family, is, as both of you know, I spend an immense amount of time on the road. So, you know, my wife Erin has a minivan packed up and with three sons driving all over the city <laughs> um, and sacrificing a lot of her time, you know, for them. And uh, so there is a sense of that, that family uh, just understanding uh, what it was about, and, and uh, there were definitely – you know, proud. It was definitely a proud moment, and, and tears were definitely flowing when uh, he got the call, understanding, you know, uh, you know what he, you know what what he was, you know, working towards on a daily basis. I, I'm and, and, and and by the way, and by the way, and and fully understanding as as you know that you know it's it's you know it continues right, and mm-hmm. and he knows that based upon you know just all the stories that I share with him about you know what i see on a daily basis so which uh former uniforms have all been replaced by penguins gear who was being cheered for in the house growing up <laughs> well you know it, you know it's interesting when we moved here luke was born in memphis tennessee when i worked for the memphis grizzlies and so when i moved here with the family in 2008 the boys had not skated yet and my wife took them all out, said, hey, we're in Toronto. They should learn how to skate. And at that time, as you both know, I mean, that was just, you know, right in the midst of Sidney Crosby, the Pittsburgh Penguins, and Alex, you know, Ovechkin uh, with, you know, the Washington Capitals. And we have many a picture of young Luke wearing Pittsburgh Penguins, Sidney Crosby. That's here. awesome. Um, so he said it was surreal as he went into uh, the Penguins locker room and he was three stalls away from Sidney Crosby's, you know. Uh, so that that was cool. But, you know, the work continues, as they say. Uh, that is absolutely awesome stuff. Um, Matty D, we, we got to ask you about uh, the Toronto Raptors and watching Pascal Siakam early this season. We know what the expectations were for the Raptors, but he's been so good and seemingly every off season, he adds just more to his game. He is more of a complete player. Is the ceiling changed on the Raptors on what they potentially could do with how good Pascal has been so far this season? I think what is amazing and this, you know, goes to, you know, at the age of 18, he was headed to Las Cruces, New Mexico, to play for New Mexico State. He was redshirted, which means you practice with the team and you don't play. And then he spent two years playing where he was a Mountain West Player of the Year, drafted late in the first round, and remember only two rounds in the NBA, 60 players total. And he just continues to put the work in. He's already been a two-time All-NBA player, second team and third team, been a one-time all-star he's already received the max contract and yet he in the summertime is saying i want to be one of the top five players in the nba and so that speaks to his work ethic it speaks to who he is and then the work that he puts in and for him when you look at the early part of the season 
uh, you know, he's starting to put it all together. When you put down a scouting report for the Toronto Raptors, the number one objective is to stop Pascal Siakam. The number two objective is to stop Fred Van Vliet. And so for him the other night in Miami, he was seeing double and triple teams. And yet he was able to find others and to still allow the game to come to him and score late to get to the free throw line eight times and do some things. So his game continues to grow and expand. Yes, his three-point shooting needs to improve. He understands that consistency at the free throw line, but yet the work is being put in on a daily basis for him to make that ultimate leap. Top five, that is a tremendous goal for him to try to achieve. Matt Devlin's the voice of the Raptors on Sportsnet, joining us here on the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Um, the, the term superstar is thrown around in the NBA a lot, and I don't even know what the number is, Matt. Like, what players are superstars and what aren't superstars? What does Pascal have to do to be considered, you know, that guy that we all know when the Raptors won the championship, they had a true superstar in Kawhi Leonard, and that's always the prevailing thought in the NBA that you need a true superstar to win a championship. Well, what does he have to do to be considered one of those guys? Because he looks like he's still on, to, on that trajectory to be one of those players. Well, I think continue to do what he's doing right now. He's had a double-double. He's had a triple-double. Continue to uh, – it's consistency, right? Greatness is consistency. Why are the great players in any sport uh, considered great? Because they do it night in and night out. It isn't once every three games or once every five games or twice during the course of a week. It's every single night. So for him to do that, I think that that's going to be key in that process. Um, and then, you know, the understanding of, you know, from a defensive standpoint, you know, it's also, you know, doing it at both ends in the position in which he plays, which, you know, he continues to improve on. So, you know, to me, the sky's the limit. I always say in, in the NBA, there are franchise players and then there are your franchise players. Hmm. And to be a franchise player, it's, it's a very small group of players that you can pick up and put from one team and put on another. But even and, and they excel. But even those players need help. Look at Kevin Durant, prime example. Look at LeBron James, prime example, right? Brooklyn struggling. Lakers, as we know, are struggling. Mm -hmm. Those are true franchise players. But you still need... Uh, a support group. By the way, that support group can't just be a support group. That support group also has to have all-stars around them. Matt, I, I wanted to ask you a little bit about trading. And we look back at the Miami Heat game that the Raptors just played. Precious Achua comes off the bench and sets a record for rebounds by someone off the bench with 22. On the other side, Kyle Lowry, you know, back nine, couple years still left on that deal. So I guess the question, I'll frame it like this. Why would any other NBA team want to trade with Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster? <laughs> well, I, I'm not sure that they all do, but uh, <laughs> it was, you know, a situation that presented itself. And, and as we know, the New York Knicks famously backed out of uh, a couple of deals along the way. But, uh, you know, I think Precious, you know, it's a different stage, right? Miami was totally in the win now. Um, that's where Kyle was uh, ultimately hoping to go. And they felt that they could 
uh, win. And now, look, at they went to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Um, however, they don't have P.J. Tucker's now in Philadelphia. Raptors will see him tonight. Um, and and this for the Raptors, and I'll say this, that, you know, they're two and two. They they start off a regular season with seven extremely difficult games. You open up against Cleveland, expected to be a playoff team. Then you go at Brooklyn, who just got blown out uh, at home in Kyrie had a tremendous game. You arrive in Miami at 4 a.m. on Saturday. You play that night down early 24 and then cut it late, but unfortunately can't get a W. Now all of a sudden you go right back at Miami again in these brief two-game sets, and they limited Miami to 14 points in that fourth quarter. Now you take on Philly tonight. Then you take on Philly on Friday. And we understand the expectations. And the Sixers are one and three. And then Atlanta on Monday night, which they're expected to be better as well. So you really, in these first seven games, I think the Raptors are going to find out a lot about themselves. And for Precious Achua uh, to have that mindset of attacking and going and getting the basketball uh, just tells you he has the ability to get 10 a night. And if he can do that, that's going to go a long way for the Raptors. Um, Matty, watching Kyle Lowry as many times as you have, and obviously greatest Raptor of all time, there's no question about it, but he just doesn't look like the same guy. And I know it's super early in the season, and eventually uh, I'm sure he'll bounce back. But how much gas do you think Kyle has left on this tank? Because as you know, there's a lot of miles on Kyle Lowry, especially with his style of play. No question. 36 years of age in his 17th season has this season and next season on his contract. Greatest Raptor of all time. Um, As Jack Armstrong would say, he has city miles, not highway miles, right? (laughs) Um, All the charges that he has taken, took one the other night, plays hard when the ball goes up. I do think that he'll find his way here because he's Kyle. And that's just what Kyle does. He, you know, he is somebody that understands uh, the 48 minutes of a game and the impact he can have on the game. Um, And I believe that he's going to be able uh, to be an important piece to that Miami team. I don't think that Miami team is as good as they were a season ago. They won the Eastern Conference a season ago. So I think there's probably a little bit more expectation on Kyle. Uh, But Kyle is there, at least in my opinion, for those big moments, big games, and he can control that. He knows how to play that. So that's something just to watch as the season unfolds. But they're one in three, right, which is their worst start since 2007, 2008. So there's still a a story to be told there. And I think for Kyle, it'll be interesting to see ultimately what, you know, transpires there with the Heat. Um, and what direction the Miami Heat decide to go because they're built for now, and but they're very top heavy when it comes to contracts. So uh, that one's you know would be interesting to keep an eye on. Matt, as the saying goes, uh, it's like a train crash; you can't look away. But when there's two train crashes, which one do you pick? And I say that because we got the situation in Brooklyn with the Nets that's going awry, and then. We've got what's going on in L.A. with the Lakers, and that's not working. There's superstars involved across the board. Which one is uh, maybe taking the most of your focus right now? Well, probably Brooklyn just because 
they did make the postseason last year, and because they're in the Eastern Conference, and then more specifically, they're in the Atlantic Division, which is the toughest division um, in the NBA. Uh, but as we know, you know, both of them, one's in you know, New York, so it's number one market, and the second largest market is Los Angeles. Uh, but the Lakers have a long way to go with what, you know, they currently are dealing with. And you have Anthony Davis and LeBron James and the Westbrook situation is not working out. And I kind of look back at that and I say to myself, and it's very similar to Kevin Durant. They both played in Oklahoma City. And sometimes as a player, and they made to, made it to the playoffs in 2012 or made it to the NBA finals in 2012, uh, never to appear there again. Uh, that summer, they traded James Harden to Houston. Um, and then, as we know, uh, you know, the Rockets were trying to make a push, made it to a couple of Western Conference finals, never made it back. But sometimes, you know, players, you know, the smaller markets fit them. And, and I think in a way, Russell Westbrook, um, that fit him. You know, OKC, you know, now you're, you think about it, Houston didn't work, Washington didn't work. Now you're in the second largest market. The spotlight's on you every single night. Um, and at 33 years of age, uh, you know, can he adjust and play a different style? And very much like Allen Iverson, it doesn't look like that's the case. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens there. With respect to Brooklyn, it's extremely difficult when you have a star player like Kevin Durant who uh, is looking around and saying, hey, I want the head coach and GM gone. Um, and now you have Kyrie uh, in the mix, Ben Simmons, right? They went all in on those three players, and it isn't working. Um, and is it good enough? Did they look like, even as hard and as desperate as they played on Friday night, did they look like an NBA finals uh, team at this stage? No, they didn't. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be very intriguing to watch that unfold. And, and I'm not sure what Sean Marks will do. I think a lot of it depends upon where they are, wins, losses, come the trade deadline. Matt Devlin is the voice of the Raptors on Sportsnet. Uh, Matt, thanks for taking time out this morning and uh, all the best uh, to Luke in his pursuit of playing in the National Hockey League. Thanks for this. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. There he goes, Matty D. We just talked basketball on the show. And? Well, there was some hockey, too, because his son was drafted by the Pittsburgh Penguins, which was absolutely <laughs> awesome, especially because his son grew up a Pittsburgh Penguins. And you know what else? Six-round pick? Like, that screams 30 goals on the wing of Sid. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just put him on there. That screams like 21-year-old rookie in the league, 30 goals on Sid's wing. You never heard of him. A devlin? Yeah, sure. Yeah, isn't, that would make perfect sense. Isn't that crazy that, you know, he grows up a Penguins fan, a Sidney Crosby fan, and then gets drafted by the team, and then you're, you're saying... Three maybe, stalls down. May, maybe Three one stalls. Day, yeah, maybe one day he'll get a chance to play with them. It reminds me of the story way back when, when uh, Niagara Falls... John Tavares? No. Niagara Falls Thunder uh, alum, um, Jason Bonsignor, who was a huge bust for the Edmonton Oilers. Sure. Really highly touted first-round pick. Big guy, a lot of skill. He loved Mario Lemieux. And in his stall with the Oilers, he had a Mario Lemieux poster. <laughs> and they're like, you need to take that down. We play against that guy. We don't want to cheer for this that guy. Wayne organization. We play against <laughs> that guy. Yes. He had a Mario Lemieux poster in his stall. Uh, that doesn't work here in Edmonton playing for the Oilers. But uh, Luke can probably have a poster of Sidney Crosby in his locker because 
he plays for the team. So that'll be totally fine and cool. A little weird, but I'm sure it'd be fine. Yeah, it'd be fine. And I'm sure Sid has had, you know, at this point in his career, he's probably had that type of stuff go on for the last five, six, seven training camps that he's been through. As soon as he reached kind of that late 20s age, I bet that was the point where it was like, I've been in the league for 10 years. There's guys who started watching me as a rookie when they were eight. Mm-hmm. That's that's posters on the wall age. I'm sure he's uh, probably used to it by now. But um, and it's it's unfortunate that Sid doesn't have another nickname. Sid the kid. Yeah, he'll be Sid the kid forever. 30, 35 right now. It'll be 80 and it'll be Sid the kid still because there's just because it rhymes. Yeah. Like what? And he played when he was 18. Yeah. What other what other nickname is he? What? The Crosby show? Like. Like. Um, Mind you, you don't want to be associated with that show <laughs> yeah, in that's, any way, shape, or form. That's I don't like Put that one. Put <laughs> Put the quaaludes in the hoagie. Okay. Put, <laughs> Put a zibbity bobbity. All right. All right. You don't want to be associated with that show in any way, shape, or form. It's Sid the Kid forever. Like, that's what it is. Which, yeah. It's fine. It's good. It's sure. not bad. It's weird. It, it's better than, like, calling him, like, Crosser or... Crosby. Uh, Crosby, just drop the B. Yeah. What are we? How lazy can we get? Um, and I was thinking about this watching uh, the uh, the game last night. They call Dylan Dubé Dubé, right? They have to. Dubé? Yeah. Like a like a left handed cigarette? Yes. Hmm. They must. What's Dylan Dubé's nickname? Dubé. It's gotta be it's right. Got, I, or I Dubes? It, it's, it's gotta be. It's, it's, it's gotta be Dubé. It's Dubes. It's gotta be Dubes. You think so? Yeah, I feel it's like probably it's probably Dubé. <sighs> This is what you need to find out. Sorry, my source is at the stamps. I don't. Okay. Well, you go to something we can ask Pat Steinberg on Friday. What do they call Dubé? Yeah. What's his nickname in the in the dressing room? Doobie or Dubes? Yeah. Dills. It'll be like eyebrows. He's got great brows. Pickle. I don't know. Pickle. <laughs> Pickle. Like Isn't Dill? that Blake Coleman? Oh, Dylan. maybe. Oh. Do you honestly think hockey players are clever enough to think of Pickle for Dylan? <laughs> Maybe not. No. Like we talked about, <laughs> we talked about Alex Singleton earlier. How the Stamps came up with the nickname Looney Single, and he's crazy Looney. That's a very creative way to think of a nickname. You think yeah. Hockey players just throw a Y on your last name, or an that's ER, what they do. If the yeah. Y is already ER. there, yeah, that's what they do. That's what hockey players do. <laughs> We're not splitting the atom here when it comes to nicknames for hockey players. No, it's that's quite what so, they do. Yeah, they they drop the last syllable. Yeah. ER or a Y. That's it. Now we gotta Easy. have we gotta have him on the radio station now and ask him what the guys call him. Dubes? Dubey? Yeah. Doobie? Dubes? Dills? We should do that. We should get Dylan, Dylan Dubey like, on. We should I throw only the go, request out. I only go by Dylan. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's, please only call me Dylan. Only refer to me as Dylan. Or like Which a middle fine. name? Maybe what he do goes you think by a middle Patrick name. sent out the email to get him on? Uh Dylan Dubey? Or yeah, yes. the guy we've been literally yeah. talking yeah, about yeah, the last yeah, couple yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah well, let's get Dylan Dubé on. Yeah. Okay. All right. Because well, I want to mm-hmm. I want to find out what his nickname is. Because uh, uh, watching the game last night, yeah. two things really stuck out to me. Well, three things. Uh, the Flames dominated the Penguins. Okay. Number two, uh, Tanev uh, chews gum while he plays the whole time. Okay. And what Dylan Dubé's nickname must be. Those are the things I was thinking about watching <laughs> Those the game three? last night. As a yeah. third period meandered on yeah, in the like, rocking chair. Yeah, you Markstrom started didn't the, have a shot yeah. in 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, the, they, they put the Penguins in a sleeper hold in the third period. Yeah. It was total domination last night for the Flames were off to the best start in franchise history at 5-1. and one. But those are the things I wanted to think about. What's Dylan Dubé's nickname? And how does Tanev play with gum in his mouth? 
I can barely walk and chew gum at the same time. That's right. So that's and then Frank Cervalli goes, he wants to write a piece on how many guys are left without a visor on, and he's thinking there's, what, probably five guys who chew gum and play at the same time in the NHL. We got a text, someone says that Brett Ritchie does it as well, but I've never noticed that. Really? Brett Ritchie drawing another penalty yesterday. Yeah, I just I got a text, it's dubs. Yeah, it probably is dubs. Probably, unfortunately. Yeah, it probably is dubs or doobie. That's not surprising to me. Doobie would be good. Okay, that well, would make we, me happy. we got to get him on. He can talk about right. playing with Kadri. I'll call him right now. Do you have his number? No. Okay. I was being. Well, you have you have somebody's number that yeah, you get in touch with him. Yeah, we can. Is it like a Russell Wilson thing where you have to contact his agent when his teammates aren't allowed <laughs> to talk to him? Is it, is it Russell Wilson kind that of thing? That is the opposite. Like, Suck who was Russell it? Wilson. One of the, flames, one of the flames did an interview uh, recently, and they were like, we have to book reservations for like 16 guys at least. Like, there's... Yeah. There's nothing. I almost, uh, I am. I, I was thinking about reading the love letter Russell Wilson wrote to Sierra for her birthday oh. because you hate Russell Wilson so much. <laughs> Maybe I'll do that tomorrow on location. I'm so tired of Russell. Wilson. I know. That's why I, I just, wanted like, to do it because you so hate Russell Wilson so Mr. much. Mr. Unlimited. Yeah, you Beat don't it. like Russell Wilson. That's Get why crossed. I almost. I'm done. I almost. Uh, I'm gonna do that tomorrow. I muted him on Twitter. I don't even follow him. But he, his stuff kept coming up. I was like, I'm done. I with would you. not like to be oh, Russell yeah. Wilson. Yeah. Right his now, danger witch. Subway got rid of it. Yeah, yeah already. Did they get rid of it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, was it too dangerous? It was too scary. It was a little spicy. It was spicy. way too awkward. It was a little too... Oh, yeah, that's what it was. It was way was. too awkward. Mm. Uh, we're on location tomorrow. Looking forward to that. Great cause. Great charity. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Another uh, edition of, of R&R. Anyways, my danger witch, it's only in the vault. Yeah, it's I can't. A secret. I just can't. Again, another text. It's dubs. Of course it's dubs. All right, we got to go. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Be careful, Bye. though. It's spicy.